Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Amateur Hunter Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome back to another week of the Amateur Hunter. I uh, think this week we're going to get going into our four-part series, or what I think is going to wind up being a four-part series, on all the preparation for your hunts. And for the most part, this kind of stuff focuses on mainly Western-style hunting, just because this style of hunting is a lot more physical. I don't criticize Midwest and Eastern hunting and, and whitetail hunting and things like that. I, I love it. I, I try to do it every year if I can. This year, probably not with all this COVID junk, but I still enjoy when I can go. But it's not physical. There's not miles upon miles of hard hiking up and down mountains with heavy packs and, and all of that fun stuff. So. So when I when we discuss this stuff, it, it really is it's just going to be focused more on the Western style hunting, whether it be mule deer, elk, sheep, moose. It really doesn't matter. All of this hunting requires some uh, some pretty good preparation to be ready for it. So, like I said, this week uh, we're gonna start out with preparing yourself mentally and physically, and I do this because. I am doing this in what I consider to be uh, order of priority, and my biggest priority would be preparing my body and my mind for this hunt. As usual, this hunt is, not this hunt, but this podcast is brought to you by nobody. Sent out a few feelers to the sponsors, haven't gotten anything back yet, but we're still plugging along. If you would like to support the channel... Feel free to click the link in the description. It'll take you to uh, our our headquartered site, and uh, you have the option there to make your donation. It is a monthly donation. I don't know why you can't do one-time donations, but whatever. It's on you if you feel so inclined. And with all of that out of the way, let's go ahead and get into it. Okay, so... Really, before we get started on on this episode, I wanted to kind of give an explanation. I I haven't had anybody make any comments about it, but I've kind of thought to myself about it, and then I wanted to clear it up just in case people out there listening do kind of feel like a lot of times my stories end with the same kind of lessons learned, and, and a lot of that has to do with perseverance and preparation and, and being ready for whatever is thrown at you. And that's intentional. I, For starters, this channel is kind of a starting place for beginners. That was kind of the whole point. A lot of these podcasts you listen to, and I love them, I listen to them every week, but a lot of them are more advanced. Um, even, I mean, I don't think I'm a very advanced hunter, but I, I've had some experience, and even a lot of the stuff they talk about is beyond me. So for somebody who maybe this is your first year hunting, or, you know, maybe you've been doing it for a few years, but you had zero success, not even maybe seeing animals. Um, this is what this, you know, those people are what this podcast is for. Sure, as we progress, I, I would like to get into more advanced techniques and and skills and things like that. But really, when you're starting out, at least for me, I just want to see animals. I just want to see the animal that I'm hunting because that's confirmation, right? If I spend five days wandering around the woods and never see an elk while I'm on an elk hunt, then I am questioning every decision that I make. Am I even in the right unit? Am I going up the right hill? Am I doing this right, doing that right? Am I too loud? And, you know, everything starts coming into question. When you can get out there and actually see animals that you're hunting or you know, any animal really that's a big game animal. You know, if you're out elk hunting and you're seeing muleys, you still feel pretty good that you're giving yourself opportunities to be around animals and, and not spook them or, or whatever. That's kind of where my starting point is, is that 
if I can get to the point where I'm seeing animals, then a lot of my questions go out the window. I don't start questioning every little move that I make because obviously I'm making some of the right moves because I'm in their realm. I'm in their environment. And I have that proof because I'm seeing them. Now, when it comes to actually harvesting an animal, are there a thousand other things you need to take into consideration? Absolutely. You can do a hundred things wrong that are going to bust that animal out there. And those are different things we'll talk about. But the main thing is getting in with them. And and I kind of have the 90-10 theory. Um, I believe it's 90% effort, 10% skill. I think 90% of, of your ability to see an animal, to get close enough to that animal, to put a play on it, to try to harvest it, comes down to your effort. The the When you're closing that distance from, let's say, 100 yards, that takes some skill. That takes some patience. There's some things you can you need to take into consideration, whether it be thermals, whether it be wind, whether it be you know what kind of weather you're dealing with, rain, snow what's on the ground, what kind of noise are you making, what kind of animal are you actually hunting. I mean, those are things we will definitely go into, but that's the last 100 yards. You've spent five miles tracking this animal, figuring out where this animal is. That's the kind of stuff I'm focusing on, is getting yourself out there, being prepared to stay out there, and just endure it so that you can find these animals, because... 90% of it is just being there and just sucking it up, putting the miles in, walking and walking until you finally find them. And then the the skills and all that comes into play. So a lot of my lessons, I'm going to pound it into your head, is just sticking with it, sticking it out. Going three, four, five, six days without seeing a single animal, but pushing through until you finally do. Because that's where your success is going to come from. And that's where your stories are going to come from. If you can, you know, everybody wants to harvest an animal, and, and I, I do too. But it's satisfying even still to be able to come home and have some stories about those animals that you saw. About the animals that you failed to harvest, but at least you have the story of I saw this, I saw that. And it's it's definitely a lot more satisfying than like say the story I, I told about my first Colorado hunt of not seeing anything, being miserable, not being prepared and quitting. I I don't have anything good to say about that. The only nice thing about that hunt is that I it gave me the ability to talk about it in this podcast to really give a lot of lessons about it. But I don't have it's not a story I'm going to tell my grandchildren about one of my hunting adventures. It, it sucked. So, <clears throat> hopefully that kind of clears it up. Hopefully, you know, you don't think that I'm just don't really have anything good to say and that's why I keep repeating it. No, it, it's for a purpose because I feel like that's the most important. If you're starting out hunting, that's the most important thing. Other things you will learn. A lot of these skills you will learn as you go along. And, and they're very important skills to learn. But I've, in my opinion, the most important thing is just getting out there, staying out there, and pushing through. So, anyway, uh, now on to actually what this week's episode is about. You know, like I said in the intro, this is what I think is going to be a four-part series. Basically, I'm breaking it down to physically and mentally preparing yourself for the hunt, um, preparing yourself with your chosen weapon or weapons. This is one area, too, that I, I think we don't really focus on, and, it, and it's how to get yourself prepared for a season that you're going to have multiple guns or, or multiple weapons. This year alone, I've got an archery mule deer hunt, I've got a muzzleloader mule deer hunt, and I've got a rifle elk hunt, and I'm also going um, with my hunting partner on a rifle uh, pronghorn hunt. I'm not going to be the shooter, so I don't really have to worry much about that. But even still, so this season alone, in the next few months, I'm going to be using three different weapon systems. And I need to be ready with all three of them. I can't just focus on one. All three of them need to be ready to roll. So we're going to kind of get into all of that, getting yourself prepared. And and like I said, we're late to be giving this info if you are just starting to get yourself ready after listening to this podcast i hate to tell you you are way behind the eight ball doesn't mean it's impossible don't ever quit just because you got a late start just understand you're behind and you're gonna need to work really hard 
to be ready for this. But regardless, even still, if if you've already been preparing or whatever, maybe this is give you some good tips going into next season to be even better. So this week we're going into mental and physical prep. And again, I think this is the most important aspect of any preparation. It's the most important aspect of the hunt. Being ready to deal with whatever nature throws at you because nature is going to beat you down one way or another. You're either going to get scalded by the sun every single day. You're going to get pounded by rain or snow or hail. You're going to be hiking mile after mile after mile up and down these hills. Like Nothing about it is just going to be overly easy. But there are ways to get yourself to even get to the point of enjoying being out there, even when it's not wonderful conditions and, and beautiful and perfect all day. Just knowing that you're ready and, and and being okay in that and you wind up enjoying it a lot more. So we'll kind of go into what I have been doing to get myself ready. And I started this, I would say, sort of in February. I got married in February, so that was a really busy first half of the month for me. But following that, I kind of got started in my prep. Um, But I I think truly March is when I really started getting ready. And the COVID really kind of helped with that. I never got shut down in my job. I've worked through this entire shutdown and, and everything that's been going on. But obviously things slowed down for us quite a bit. I I wound up getting more time off. They kind of shifted our schedule there for a while. I've been in quarantine several times. And not going to lie, I follow quarantine for the most part. But I will go hike while I'm in quarantine because I can do that and not be around another human being. I go really early in the morning or late in the evening and and I never saw people. So judge me if you want to, but I was still going to get my, you know, workouts in. So the way I started it is I kind of, um, I had a small pack that my wife had got me for Christmas uh, a couple of years ago, just kind of an assault pack, nothing really major, something I would take on day hikes, you know, to hold my water and a, some rain gear and, and little things like that, but not a not large at all. And I loaded that with a few odds and ends and got it up to about 10 pounds, I think is what it wound up being. And that's where I started. I set the goal initially to do two to three miles a day. I would alternate. I would do one day where we would hike a trail and I would carry my pack with me. And, you know, we'd do it again, two to three miles. I, I tried to average three miles a day, mainly because, uh, again, my hunting buddy, he uh, he was starting to train himself and he set his goal to, to run three miles every day. So I wanted to stay on track with him. And so I alternated. I would do one day with the pack and get my three miles in. And then the next day, I would just go with no weight. What I was trying to do with that was to kind of improve my time speed-wise. Without the weight, I would just walk as fast as I could. Um, not like crazy, you know, not these speed walkers or anything like that, but basically I wanted to keep a pace that did not allow me to really carry on a a good conversation. Um, So if I was walking with my wife, you know, I would try to keep a pace to where maybe I could get a couple words out at a time, but I couldn't just sit there and and walk with her and carry on a full conversation because to me you're not really getting a, a great workout that way. But that's that's where I started, and I was doing, like I said, I would do, try to get three miles a day in at least four to five days a week of getting this these miles in. And I was also working with my boots. I cannot stress this enough. If you got a new pair of boots for this hunting season and you have not worn them yet, you need to go to your closet right now and put them on and start wearing them every day, every minute, and get them broken in because you need to have miles on your boots before you go out into the woods or you're going to be destroyed. The best boots in the world still suck if they're not broken in. I mean, that's honestly kind of their design. If you look at really good mountaineering hunting boots, they are really, really stiff. They've got really thick leather. They have got, like, stiff soles. They're made to not give in when you're, you know, on these wonky hills, side hilling, going up and down. 
Like they're meant to completely support you. And so they're very, very stiff and they really need to get some miles in them to be broken in. And that's what I was doing. On the days that I carried a pack, I would throw my boots on. I would also take trails that were not asphalt, concrete, whatever. I wanted to walk on gravel. I wanted to walk on dirt, you know, grass, whatever. I wanted to walk. I, I wasn't necessarily getting in the elevation changes and all that, but I wanted it. You know, I want. I didn't want to walk on, on finished surfaces, um, and that's just kind of my thing. You know, I, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. I think if you, the main thing is just getting those boots broken in. Um, that's just me, though. I, I just when I'm wearing my boots, I want it to be on the kind of surfaces that I'm going to be in in the mountains. So regardless, that's where I started, and, and that's where I kind of stayed for. I would say a month and a half, all the way probably to, until the end of April. Uh, well, no, I would say probably until um, maybe the first, second week of April. So at that point, I decided to get my pack out, my actual pack that I will be taking um, on my hunts this season. And I loaded it with, a, uh, with sandbags. So what I wound up doing is I had, uh, I bought, 50 pounds of sand and sandbags and initially actually when I bought this it was not for this purpose it was actually so I could have sandbags at the range um, to shoot off of but uh, you know dual purpose I wound up using it in my packs so basically I had two sandbags and I loaded one with 30 pounds of sand the other one with 20 pounds of sand and so in my hunting pack I put the 20 pound sandbag in Put some stuff at the bottom so I could bring the weight off off the bottom of the pack. Because you don't ever want to put your heaviest weight at the bottom. You kind of want to bring, you know, put something in that bottom and then bring that weight up a little bit higher. So yeah, loaded that bag with 20 pounds of sand, which put my pack somewhere in the in the neighborhood of I don't know 27 pounds or so. I got a, my pack's not all that light. It's about a seven pound pack. And then with water and all of that, you know, I could get it somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 pounds. And then I would alternate that way. I stopped walking without a pack um, when I was exercising. You know, if my wife and I would go on a walk and we just wanted to, you know, whatever, fine, I'll just go for a walk with you. But when I was actually dedicating my time to training, I never went without a pack anymore. I would alternate my two packs. So I had, you know, my 10-pound pack and then, you know, what wound up being my, you know, 25, 28-pound pack. And but I kept the mileage the same. So I was still trying to get about three miles a day in, still trying to do about the same amount of you know four to five days, and then alternating those packs, um, and wearing my boots more and more and more. Anytime I could get on a trail, I was wearing my boots. I couldn't always, you know. That's the other thing too. I will I will stress. Just because you can't get out to a park or get out into the mountains or, you know, get to these trails or whatever, doesn't mean that you should not do it. I've had more days than not where I just walk out of the front door and walk the street and get my miles in that way. It's not as beneficial. I, there are things that I can do to push myself more, but it's not always possible. Sometimes I just got to get my boots on, get out the door and get my miles in because I got other things I got to accomplish that day. So if I want to get my miles in, I just got to get it done right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. I promise you working the way, any way that you can is more beneficial than just saying, I'm just not going to get it in today. As long as you get it in, you're accomplishing something. So don't feel like you've just got to set aside like this perfect day to get out and get into this one area and, and get all this other stuff done. No. If you've got an hour of free time, get out there and just walk. And, and that's the other thing too. My exercises are focused on what am I going to do? I, I'm not doing a whole lot of crazy training. I mean, I, I've done my push-ups and I do leg lifts and I do all this other, you know, random exercises. But my, the bulk of my exercise is just hiking because that's what I'm going to be doing. When I go out in September, I'm going to throw my pack on, my boots on, all my gear, and I'm going to walk through the woods until I hopefully find an animal and harvest it. That is what my whole life is going to be this fall. So why wouldn't I just want to repeat that? 
that's if that's what I'm going to be doing, if that's going to be my main purpose in all of this, then I'm just going to train in that. My main focus is on what physical exertion am I going to put out in the fall, and that's going to be a lot of hiking, a lot of packing with weight and all of that. So that's the focus. I, I would hope at this point after, you know, we've only been on for a month and a half or however long now, but I would hope at this point you realize I am not the expert of the world. I'm not the, you know, end-all be-all of physical fitness and all of that. If you like going to the gym, if you like running, if you like, you know, whatever it is that you do, those are all going to be improvements. We spoke before in the in the episode about my first Colorado hunt, about how my brother was much more prepared physically than I was, and he did not pack. He didn't do a bunch of hiking, he didn't do a bunch of packing, he didn't do all that, but he went to the gym consistently. And any type of physical exertion is going to obviously improve you kind of all around. Put a lot of, of effort into the gym. That's still going to be cardio because you're still going to want to breathe in heavy. You're still sweating. You know, all of that stuff is still going to be beneficial. But to me, the most efficient and fastest way to be prepared for this hunt is to do what this hunt is going to require of me. So when I get out there, when I put those boots on and I start my hike it's no different than what I have been doing for the last six months so that's just where I stand on it I think in a a lot of areas that's kind of my thinking is that if this is what I'm going to do then that's what, what I'm going to practice you know I'm a drummer at my church so to be a better drummer I'm going to practice on the drums I'm not going to work on my guitar skills my guitar skills are going to improve me musically overall and can you know work its way into improving myself on the drums just because as a whole as a musician but the fastest way for me to become a better drummer is to practice on the drums anyway so that's where i was um like i said in april i was switching back and forth between my packs wearing my boots getting my boots broken my my goal was to have 50 miles on my boots before i went hunting i'll be honest at this point I would say I've I've got well over 100 miles on those boots. I don't wear them every day. When I just leave the house and I'm, you know, walking with my pack in the neighborhood, I wear my tennis shoes. That is one thing. I probably people who hear this would probably cringe and say, "Why are you wearing tennis shoes with no ankle support while you're carrying a pack?" It's kind of a no-no in a lot of areas, but I will say this. The only time I wear tennis shoes with my pack is when I'm walking my neighborhood and I'm on sidewalks and asphalt. I know there's still always the chance of rolling your ankle and all of that, but it to me, it's just not that high of a risk, and so I'm just going to wear my tennis shoes. If you're not comfortable with it, I don't care. You do you. But it's getting those miles in, getting those miles in those boots, and wearing that pack with some weight. And this also kind of flows into the whole gear side of things we're going to talk about all the gear that i'm going to be taking why i selected what i selected how i feel about it you know cost all of that fun stuff you know in the next episodes but big part of the gear too is using it and finding out before you get out there if it's going to work for you i i spoke before about my pack and how when i first started putting some weight down to that thing that hip belt was kind of digging into me i had to make some adjustments on my pack to get it to be comfortable and now i can wear that pack anywhere i mean i I love that pack i can't really speak highly enough about it It, it's a great pack same with my boots Uh, my boots were really really stiff um and then they weren't i mean they were comfortable putting them on i knew that i was going to like them when i put them on but i also knew that i was going to need to put some miles in them before i could really love them and now i love these boots anyway probably most of the month of april I'm just doing that, where I I was switching my pack back and forth, you know, going from a little bit of heavier weight to lighter weight, wasn't really upping the miles or anything like that, it was just about getting used to my pack, getting used to a little bit more weight, that was my goal for, for April, and then May came around, May was a little bit difficult for me because we were moving, moving out of our apartment into our new place, so... I had to kind of balance my time a little bit better, um, and and I didn't really get to put as much time and effort in as I wanted to. Really, the only change that I made in May was that I I dropped the smaller pack and uh, wound up going strictly with my hunting pack. 
but outside of that, again, I was I was going trying to get three miles a day, four to five days a week. None of that changed. And uh, I have a, and I would highly suggest if you have something that can track your steps. I know it's kind of like the whole you know cliche thing to do now. How many steps did you get in? And blah blah blah. But when you're training and you're trying to improve yourself. Um, being able to to track that data so that you can figure out how to improve it, it's indispensable it's great to have and that's what I've done um, since the beginning I have a an app on my phone and all I have to do is throw my phone in my pocket and it'll track my steps is it 100% accurate I sincerely doubt it but <clears throat> it's it's close enough to where I can at least see how I'm doing make sure that I'm getting all the the miles in that I'm trying to get in so to kind of go back, like I said, I started in, in February, but it was really not much. I mean, I was just trying to get some exercise in, but with the wedding and all of that, it, it was not my priority, and that's just the way it is. But I got 66 miles in in February. Um, coming into March, um, when I actually you know really started trying to work out, I uh, went up to 78 miles that month that I got in, and going into April I got 90 miles so um, again April was a pretty big month for me because you know I I didn't really have a lot going on the shutdowns were going and you know the wedding was obviously done and over with and then done and I we weren't in the process of moving yet so everything was just kind of settled so I was doing a lot more working out May came around and like I said wound up moving so didn't really get any, uh, uh, well, I won't say any, but there was just a lot of days that I was packing, loading, moving, and all of that, getting the house clean, getting everything ready, unpacking while we were at our new house. I mean, you know, that, that probably half of the month was just spent leaving the old place, getting into the new place, and all of that. So went down to about 60 miles that month. Um, and then June comes, and June is really when I started picking it up. Um, that's when I really wanted to start adding some weight. I wanted to start adding some miles, and I wanted to start throwing in um, actual hikes. So the way that I, I did June is that uh, I upped the weight in my pack. I got up to about 45 pounds. Well, it's about 40 pounds before water, about 45 pounds with water. And I started going, I was trying to get five to six days a week in, and I was trying to get three to five miles a day. And that can be kind of hard with a busy life. I mean, we've got three kids running around here when they're with us. I've got my job. She's got her job. We've got responsibilities with the house. We've got, you know, responsibilities with our church. We've got different things that we're, that are going on, you know, all the time. And when you're walking with a pack, you know, you're getting upwards of three miles an hour, you know, unless you're really booking it. So you, you're talking about it can be close to two hours that you're working out. And, and that's might not seem like a big deal, you know, whatever. But for us, it just always seems like there's something going on that we've got to take care of. There's some disaster that we have to try to fix or, or whatever. So to help myself with that, is I wound up splitting it up. Um, we're pretty slow at my job right now, so I'm a patrol officer with the Denver Public Schools School District. Obviously, we don't have kids right now because it's summer, and even when summer ends, we're still in the middle of this COVID pandemic junk, so it's still going to be online learning. So while we still have a purpose, there's still things that we're doing. You know, our our business is taking care of the school district, which is a big district with over 200 buildings that we have to take care of. The buildings still have people in them. You know, so there's, you know, it's not like there's absolutely nothing going on, but to say that we're working the same pace that we do during a normal school year would be an, a bold-faced lie. So I have, you know, the ability to kind of do my job, but also use my job from my own benefit exercise wise and and I would say that's a huge thing if you can do that whatever job you have if you can turn your job to be beneficial on both ends I'm not saying to exploit your job and you know not do your what you're supposed to do in you know exchange for getting your exercise in but the example I use like this is how I do it 
we can do building checks at my job. We're basically, you, it's exactly what it sounds like. You're checking a building. Are all the doors shut and locked? You know, is there anything, any damage to this building that nobody has noticed yet? Is anything suspicious going on around this building? Whatever it is. Um, that's part of my job. But that doesn't mean that I can't use that in conjunction with my personal goals of getting exercise in. So I make it a goal to get two miles in a day with my job. The other benefit with that is is that I wear a vest with, um, you know, level 3A soft armor and a rifle plate on the front. Plus, I have my duty belt, which is extremely similar to that of a police officer's duty belt. Um, and all the equipment that's on it and the weight that comes with that. I, th I have never actually measured it out, and I really should, but I would be willing to guess it's got to be somewhere between the vest and the belt in the 15-pound range or so. So it's an additional 15 pounds that's on my body. So I will do, on my downtime, I'll try to get in a few building checks throughout the day and walk those buildings. And Again, doing my due diligence and doing my job correctly, but also walking at a pace that is giving me that, that exercise and helping me. So that way, I get my two miles in before I even get home. So if, if when I get home that evening, if I need to you know, get some work done around the house or whatever, and, and my schedule's kind of tight, well, all I need to walk is three miles. If I get my three miles in, I've got my five miles for the day. Would I prefer to get a full five miles in with my pack and, and my boots and all that? Absolutely, but it's not always going to work that way. So if I can get that two miles in during work, then I know that that's knocked out. at a, All I have to get at a bare minimum is three miles, which is an hour of walking. You know, Now, that doesn't mean that I only go for that three miles. If I have an open evening, if nothing's going on and we're just kind of hanging out, I'll go and try to get my four to five miles in on top of that so that I have seven miles on the day. I, I have no complaints about doing that at all. But I think being creative like that is a huge thing to do. You know, it's, it's sometimes people just get busy, and it's really easy to start going in the direction of, well, I'm not going to get it done today. You know, I can't get five miles in today, so why even try? And, and you have to get the attitude of one mile is better than zero. A half a mile is better than zero. If I feel like absolute crap and I just don't want to put my pack on, I don't want to, you know, really put in a ton of effort, I'm just feeling kind of lazy, well, whatever. I'll throw my tennis shoes on. I'll go for a two-mile walk. At this point, after the amount of months that I've put in hiking with all of this weight and everything, honestly, just throwing on my tennis shoes and going for a little walk around the neighborhood for a couple miles is absolutely nothing. It's relaxing, if anything. But I'm still getting that those those miles in I'm still getting some exercise in I don't make a habit of that because then it, it really I won't have any benefits but there's nothing wrong with every once in a while just you know doing a lighter workout or whatever as long as you're getting something in something is always better than nothing and I think sometimes we forget that I think sometimes we get discouraged because we're like well you know I, I used to have this problem when I went to the gym you know I've never really been a small guy, so I've, I've never really felt really, really out of place at the gym like some of my buddies I know who have been on the smaller side. But I, I've had the same kinds of feelings where I've gone to work out with dudes who are just, they're, they're massive. You know, tree trunk arms and barrel chested and all this other stuff. They drop on the bench and, you know, they're throwing up 405 like it's nothing. You know, they're working out with 405 pounds. I... I couldn't get 405 pounds off the bar. I mean, off the bench. I, I just couldn't do it. And sometimes that can be discouraging. Sometimes I can look at that and be like, why am I even doing this? I'm never going to be at that level. I'm never going to get to where they're at, so why am I even bothering? And you have to remind yourself that you're not trying to get to somebody else's level. You're trying to get to your own level. Maybe the most you'll ever be able to bench is 250 pounds. But guess what? That's more than what you could bench if you never tried that you 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 need to strive to improve yourself. Every little thing will help. If you cannot get a full 4-hour workout in where you're dripping sweat and you know your muscles are just falling apart and and you're just feeling like you're going to die, if you can't do that, don't get the attitude well then I'm just not going to do anything. 
every little bit will help. If you just walk outside of your door and put a half a mile in, it's going to help. That's the way my mom is. My mom, my mom is not young at all anymore. You know, she's in her 70s, but she's decided she wants to get healthier. She wants to to live a healthier life. So she's eating better and she's walking. She's not walking a marathon every day. She walks 15 minutes twice a day. But I promise you, that is helping her so much more than if she just sat in her chair for 15 minutes every day. And eventually, she'll be able to walk 20 minutes if she's not already, you know, checked on her in a while, at least in that regard. But, you know, she'll walk 20 minutes, and then 30 minutes, and then maybe an hour, and, and then to the you know point where you'll she'll know the improvements that she's made to herself. And that's what I would suggest in this area, too. Don't feel like you have to be able to get 10 miles in a day or that you've got to get this, that, or the other in. Do the absolute best you can. That's all that that you can ask of yourself. Do the best that you can. Your best might be better than somebody else's or your best might not be as good as somebody else's. Stop comparing yourself to what other people are doing. There are people out there who are going to make you look like you are just not even close to prepared. I know that there are hunters out there who can just blow past me and make me look like I'm just a weak little nothing. But I don't care. I'm I'm trying to help myself. I'm trying to make myself a better hunter. I'm trying to make myself a better hiker. So that's what I compare myself to. And that's why I track my miles. I want to be better than I was yesterday. If it took me an hour and 15 minutes to walk three miles back in May, I want to walk three miles in an hour in June. By the time the end of July comes, I want to be walking three miles in 40 minutes. You know, whatever whatever your goals are. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. But beat yourself. Don't put yourself on a, on the trying to beat other people. It's, it's fun to challenge yourself with other people sometimes. But don't, like, make that your ultimate goal. Make your ultimate goal to beat yourself. Because if you're beating yourself, then you know that you're improving. You, it's hard to, to track your progress if you're just tra- constantly trying to play catch-up with somebody else. Because if they're working out too, they're going to be constantly improving, which means that you're never really going to see that you're doing a good job. But if you if you look back on your progress, you can say, okay, I started here. You know, I started walking three miles a day, sucking wind the entire time, feeling like my legs were going to, you know, give out by the end of it. And now here I am, three miles is not even a warm-up. I don't even really feel it. Like, it, it's not a big deal at all. Like, that's how you know when you're making improvements. So to wrap that side of it up, like I said, do the work that you're going to do during your hunt. You're going to be walking a lot. You're going to be hiking a lot. So that's what you want to do. And you want to do it with the gear that you're going to be going out in the woods with. Now, come to July... July, I set the goal of I want to actually start hiking in and get some really good elevation gains. And I want to add weight and I want to add miles. I want to kind of bring it all together because after July, I've got August and then I've, I'm done. Because September, the first weekend of September starts archery and I'm going to be going, you know, basically every other week after that all the way until December. So I've got july and august to get myself finished and get myself ready so july i really start putting the pressure on myself every week um the way my schedule works it's kind of beneficial in this area because um i work tuesday through saturday so i'm off sunday and monday sundays are dead you know those are my church days i'm not no there's nothing else i'm going to do I'm not going to try to prioritize anything else over that. You know, I go to church. That's what my day is. And, and like I was telling a buddy of mine yesterday, I don't schedule things on Sundays. It's, it, I might not rest per se, but it's my day of like I'm not planning anything. Like whatever I decide to do that day is what I do that day. So regardless. But Mondays, that's what I really like about having Mondays off is that it's not a general weekend. Colorado can get packed in all the parks. People love being outdoors in Colorado. It's nice, but it also can be inconvenient because so many people want to be out. So that's what I kind of really like about having Mondays off is that it's, you know, typically the day that everybody's going back to work. So everything kind of slows down in the outdoors. I get a little bit more time to myself. So that's what I, I started doing. Mondays, um, including 
today, normally, I would be out there, but today I'm doing a little bit different. I'm going to go, i gotta, I got to do some work with my bow. But anyway, so Mondays I would go out to what we call Green Mountain. Um, it's a park not far from my house. It takes me about 20 minutes to get there. It's in the foothills. So you're not talking about climbing mountains, but also that, that's one thing I would I would say for the most part. Now, there, this, this is not the rule. I'm not saying that this is how it will always be, but I would say for the most part, you're not doing thousands of feet of elevation climbing while you're hunting. You're not going to start at 5,000 feet and climb to 12,000 feet. It, that's just not how it works. You're you're at 5,000 feet at Denver. By the time you're up into the mountains, into your hunting area, you might already be at nine, ten thousand feet, and your max elevation might be 12,000 feet if you even go that high. So you're talking anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 feet of, of climb that you'll do over your entire hunt, possibly. Sometimes you might just... You might come in at, at nine, ten thousand feet, and you might be side hilling the whole time, and, and never really up or down all that much. But I just, I think sometimes people get that kind of idea of like, oh my gosh, it's going to be, you know, basically we're starting at the base of a mountain, and we've got to get to the top of that mountain, and, and that's really not normally the truth. That normally the truth is you're already at a pretty high elevation. And you might get a couple of thousand feet here and there, but for the most part, you're probably going to be living in the bounds of a thousand feet of vertical elevation that you're dealing with. But anyway, so again, by no means is Green Mountain actual mountain. It's just the name of it. But you can get, I think my first hike I did there, I got 800 feet of elevation, uh, six to 800 feet, somewhere in that area. And that's plenty, let me tell you. Because really the main thing you're looking at is grade. What is the distance over that elevation? Am I getting 600 feet of elevation over 6 miles? Yeah, that's like walking up a slight hill. Um, but what? It, but I was getting, it was right at 800 feet of elevation over 1.4 miles. That's a pretty steep hill. Um, it's not crazy. It's not, you know, hands out in front of you touching the hill kind of stuff. But it's a it's a good working Elevation. It, it gives you really kind of a good idea of, of what the mountains are going to be like. And the really nice thing, too, is that that park specifically has trails going everywhere. So I could spend the first part of my hike, you know, getting that 800 feet of elevation. And then I continue down the trail and I drop 200 feet. Then I gain another 200 feet. And then, you know, maybe I drop all the way down to the bottom. And then I go back up again and get another, you know, six to 800 feet of, of elevation. Like, you know, yeah, I might at maximum be able to get 800 feet of, of elevation gain, but I can do that over and over again to where by the end of the day I have climbed 3,200 feet. So that has become a huge part of my whole process because I will tell you, I'm to the point now, honestly. I throw my pack on, I go walk, you know, my neighborhood, I can get three, four, five miles in, and it doesn't bother me a bit. I, I am to the point now where I actually enjoy doing it. I throw the headphones in, and I listen to, you know, some of my podcasts that I like, or some music, or whatever, and and I just enjoy doing it. Green Mountain, I am not to the point yet where I enjoy it, even a little bit. It sucks. It hurts. My legs really hurt. My lungs burn. I am not to the point where I can just jog up the side of this hill and be okay. Like it, it's a workout, but it is also one that I can complete, and I can do it without really like feeling really bad about it. I not as fast as other guys. I am not as in shape as other guys, but I can start at the bottom of that hill. I can get all the way to the top to the the uh, cell tower. Is you know that's kind of what we consider the peak is the cell tower. And I can do it without, you know, having to stop a ton. I, I do have to stop now and then. But I can do it and feel like I've still got energy to keep going. And I do have energy to keep going. I've, you know, the last time I was up there, I, I did uh, oh, four or five miles um, up and down, you know, and it just really got a good workout. So. I would, if possible, and now for guys, you know, who are in the Midwest, out East, wherever, some, you know, obviously, 
I have an advantage in that I'm living right by the mountains, so I have the ability to get in there and, and do a workout, whereas sometimes other people don't. But there are hills pretty much everywhere. I mean, I lived in Oklahoma for five years, and I could find a hill there, which means that you can find a hill pretty well or anywhere, because that place is flat. I drive through Kansas all the time. I have found hills there, too. So... You just got to find a hill. Maybe you have to walk up and down that hill 10 times to get, you know, a thousand feet in. Whatever. You got to do what you got to do. You just need to get that elevation and you need to you need to get that feeling in your body of going up a hill because it changes everything. The the amount of oxygen required to do that is is way different than just walking on flat ground. Um the 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 muscles that you're using and and how you're using them is different going up and down. Um, going down the hill, it's not like what you would might think of just, well, I'm just going to let gravity do its thing and I'm just going to, you know, fumble down there. You're going to wind up getting hurt because you're carrying weight. And if you're successful in the field, you're going to be carrying a lot of weight, sometimes well over a hundred pounds. So you need to get used to controlling your footing going down the hill. Also going back to the boots. That is a huge deal with the boots because you're using your feet differently in your boots, going up the hill, going down the hill, side hilling, all of that stuff. So part of the break-in of those boots has got to be getting as best into the hills as you can. And again, it goes back to doing what you're going to be doing in, in the field. If you're going to be climbing mountains and hills in the field, then you know practice that to the best of your ability. If you absolutely just cannot find a hill within 100 miles of where you live, go to the gym, get on the stair stepper, go to your local stadium, run the bleachers. Whatever it is, you need to get yourself moving your body up. However you figure out how to do that. Get creative. It doesn't matter, but you've got to do it. It's just got to get done because you're going to see a ton of benefits by going that route. So, again, July, that's what I started. I took my pack up to 55 pounds dry, um, sitting at about 60 pounds with water now. And I tried to not come home until I've gotten at least four miles in. Um, And I'm doing it up where I sometimes drop the days down, but I still try to get at least five days a week in. So that's, that's actually where I am now. We're at the 1st of August. Haven't really changed yet. I'm probably going to add some weight this month because um, after doing my pack out list and weighing all my gear, I'm, I'm really looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to 75 pounds pack in weight. Now that's not my daily weight. My daily weight would probably be in the neighborhood of 40 pounds, but you know, after carrying um, all of my food, all of my water, my sleeping gear, all of my extra clothes, you know, all of that stuff that will actually stay in camp, you know, that total weight though, at the trailhead walking into our hunting area, that's going to be about a 70 pound pack. So I want to at least get a little bit used to it. Um, you know, if, even if it's only a month of carrying it, it'll still give me really used to what that weight feels like. And then anything above that, you know, I know, like I said, pack out weight can get over 100 pounds. I just don't train with that much weight. It's hard on your joints, it's hard on your back, and it's hard on your gear. You know, my my pack, you know, on their website, it says it's good up to 120 pounds, and that's great. It's a really sturdy pack, but I don't want to push that. So for me, 70 pounds is good enough. I'm going to get enough exercise and, and enough benefits from that. So... For the actual exercise itself, that's that's where I'm at. You know, the weight's going to go up a little bit, and and then we're just going to keep hiking, just keep getting the miles in. And that's all I can really say for you to do is just get it in, however you see fit. I'm not saying I'm a fitness expert and this is exactly how you should do it. But whatever you've decided to do to get yourself ready, you've got to stick with it. And if you haven't started yet... Uh, I mean, you know, if you've got a late season hunt coming up, great. You've got a little more time. But if you're looking at archery, if you're looking at muzzleloader, you know, any of these earlier seasons, like time is, is, is running down. It doesn't mean to get discouraged and think that you can't be ready. You can. It just means that you need to get moving today. You know, you need to get your pack out and get your boots out and figure out a way to get out there and get some miles in. That's where I'm at with all of this. 
that's my main workout. And like I said, I'll do some push-ups, I'll do some ab, you know, core workouts, some other, you know, things here in the house and, and all of that, but my main workout is just throwing the pack and walking, getting those miles in. Now, that kind of covers how I have been prepping myself on the physical side. On the mental side, what I have actually been doing is I seek out the rain. It seems kind of dumb, but the rain to me can be one of the biggest um, mood killers. It can be one of the, the hardest things to get through. So on a day when it's going to rain, I'm doing my absolute best to be out there walking because I just want to get used to that feeling of discomfort. I don't put my rain gear on. I put my, my cover on my pack because I don't want to ruin my pack or anything like that. But like I'm not wearing my wet weather gear. I'm wearing what I would normally just wear on a, on a normal day because I want to get that feeling of discomfort. I want to feel what it feels like to have my pants completely soaked and, and just that nasty feeling, uh, you know, water dripping down my back. You know, just that, you know, not the end of the world kind of feeling, not like, oh my gosh, you know, this sucks so bad, but it's just a, a level of discomfort. And I want to inoculate myself to that. I just want to be able to, you know what, yeah, this sucks, but I'm still moving. Nothing has changed. I'm still able to do what I want to do. It's just a little, it's just a different feeling. That That's what the main thing I want, is that I, I want to leave behind the word discomfort and enter the word, enter the realm of different that I'm not uncomfortable in the rain. It's just a different way of hunting. You know, it's different when I hunt in the rain, or it's different when it's snowing, or it's different when it's windy, or it's different. You know, it's not uncomfortable. It's not, I'm not feeling any feelings of discomfort. I'm feeling feelings of different. Oh, this is different. That is my ultimate goal. Because if you can get that mindset, then nothing can really bother you. I mean, there are miserable times. If if you've ever watched uh, Meat Eater, you know, it's on Netflix. If you haven't, you should. It's a good show. But they go to this place several times um, in Alaska called Prince of Wales Island. And the I can't remember what they wind up saying the annual rainfall is, but it basically equals that it's going to rain every single day that you're there. And he's just in it. And you can tell. He takes guys sometimes that are... Um, you know, on the amateur side of hunting, he, he introduces them to it. And you can tell that it's affecting them a lot more than it affects him because he has pretty much inoculated himself to it. He just knows what to expect. That that hunt, you know, when I go to Prince of Wales Island, that's just a different hunt. It doesn't, it's not sucky. I, I don't hate it. It's just different. It's different than when I'm hunting New Mexico and, you know, it rains once a millennium. You know, so that's what I want to get my my body, my mind, my whole self used to is that I don't look at what's happening as discomfort. It's just different. So I do that by hiking in the rain. I do that by, you know, if, if a storm is blowing in, that has an ominous feeling to people. When, when a storm is blowing in, it makes you a little bit uncomfortable. It makes you kind of want to just get in the house, you know, shut the windows, get in the house, let it let it blow over, and then I'll, you know, I'll be okay. And I'm not saying that it's maybe the best idea in the world to, to go outside and, and hike when it's about to storm. That's just what I do because it gets my mind and my body over that. I, I'm retraining my brain to instead of feel a little bit of anxiety when a storm is blowing in to be like, I'm just going to get out there. It's just wind blowing. You know, it's just rain. It's just thunder. I can't do anything about it. When I'm out hunting, I can't run back to my truck. If I'm 12 miles from, you know, the trailhead, I, when a storm starts blowing in, I'm not just going to run back to the truck, get in the truck, and drive home. I'm going to have to figure it out. Whether that means I have to hunker down or whether or not I'm just going to be in it. You know, you got to get your mind and your body used to that kind of feeling that that you're just okay when things are not bright and sunny. And so I kind of, I will seek that stuff out. And then it's kind of a mind game I'll play with myself. And I kind of learned it in the military because they do it all the time to you. You go out and you're told, 
today. Get your rucksack. We got a we got a three miler today. Oh, okay, cool. Three miler. You hit that three mile mark. You know you hit the three mile mark because you've you've marched so much that you know how you know how many steps it takes to get a mile. So you hit that three mile mark, and they said, "Oh, I, I, did I say three miles? You you misheard. You didn't hear me right. I was saying it was a six miler." And it's so it's just a game like that to where you stop telling yourself to set limitations. Oh, I've just got to get three miles in. Once I hit three miles, I'm done. And this is all over with. You've got to end your limitations. Stop setting limitations for yourself. Because when you do that, you want to quit. If I tell myself the whole time, you know what, this pack is heavy. It sucks. You know, I just kind of want to be done. Okay, if I can just get this three miles in, I'll be done. Well, when that three miles hits, you're ready to quit right then and there. So what I'll do to myself is I'll say, you know what, I'm setting my goal for three miles. I, You know, I, I do my trip around. I, I've pretty well got my trails figured out to where I know what three miles is. I hit that three-mile mark, and then I make myself, even if it's only another half a mile or a mile or whatever, I just make myself go beyond. You know, I might end three miles at my front door. I walk past my front door, and I go, I push further. Just so I train my brain to just stop setting that limitation of that if I hit this goal, I can quit. Because that's going to bite you in the butt in the field. You might think, you know, today I'm, you know, this is the point that I, this is the glassing area that I want to hit. It's three miles out there. So if I can just get to this glassing area, then I can, then I'm good. Well, maybe I get to that glassing area and it's not everything I thought it was going to be, but good Lord, there's a perfect one that I know there's going to be animals in that area and it's another two miles well instead of having to spend 15 minutes convincing myself it's just okay fine let's go because I don't have a limitation I'm not setting limits my limit is I'm going to go until the day ends that's where my limitation is after dark you know okay now I can go sit down at camp maybe build a fire eat some food go to bed but until then there are no limits I will walk as many miles as I need to to get where I need to go so that's one thing that I try. Another one that I've started doing is uh, with my headphones. I know I've said in the past, you know, I listen to my headphones and, and you know, listen to podcasts or whatever. And I still will do that from time to time. But I really try now, at least especially when I'm going and hiking the hills, but I, I really try to do it even when I'm hiking the neighborhood now too, is that I don't have any distractions. Because distractions can kind of make you go further than you normally would if you're just thinking about what you know whatever's in your head. So I will try to remove that distraction so that I can push myself. Because you know if everybody's done it when you're listening to a really good you know mix of music. Like you know every song that is coming on is a song that you really like. Everything goes by faster because you're not thinking about what you're doing. You're just listening to that music, and oh, before you know it, oh man, I just, you know, three miles just got knocked out. So I try to take that away, because when I'm out in the field, again, I'm not going to have my music going, you know. I'm going to have very limited battery life on my phone, which is going is my primary GPS, so I'm not going to waste that battery by listening to music all day long. Not to mention, you're taking yourself out of that element, and that's a negative when it comes to hunting. The whole purpose of listening to music is to take you out of the element of what you're doing so that you can be distracted and just get it done with, you know, without having to really think about it. Well, when you are hunting, you want to be in that element. You want to be a part of that element. So I want to hear all of the animals. I want to hear the birds chirping. I want to hear the squirrels fighting. You know, I want to hear all of that stuff because I'm, I'm keying into what's going on around me. So that's what I've started doing. I take the headphones out, and I just start keying into all the noises going on around me. You know, it, it doesn't have to be specific to nature. It just needs to be that you are you're dialing your hearing up to hear every little thing that's going on and determine what it, what it is that it is. Is that a trash truck that just drove by me? You know, is that a squirrel in the tree? How many squirrels are up in that tree? Do I hear voices? Am I, you know, outside of the normal voices inside of my head? <laughs> Am I hearing people talking? Where's that? What's the direction of that? You start training yourself to that so that you're more in tune when it comes time to actually using your hearing. You know, our hearing is not nearly what it is on, you know, these animals that we hunt, but we can still use it to our advantage. 
So those are truly the main two things that I do to, to get my brain trained for what's going to happen. Stop looking at it, or uh, I'm sorry, the, the main three things that I'm doing. Stop looking at something as as being uncomfortable and look at it as just being different. And I stop setting limitations in my head of I, all I have to do is go this far. I stop, take all the limitations away. You go as far as you need to go, whatever that might be. You might only have to walk a quarter of a mile and to get your animal, or you might have to walk 14. Stop setting the limitations. Just put it in your head that I am going to walk as far as I have to to accomplish my goal. And my goal is to harvest an animal. And then taking away the distractions. Stop taking yourself out of the element and put yourself in it. Get your body and your mind used to just being there doing whatever task that is. And, and stop distracting yourself with music or whatever. I'm not saying always. I still will listen to my headphones from time to time. But I still will try to spend some time keying in with my hearing, keying in with my senses. And, and being a part of what is going on around me. So this series is a little bit different than, you know, what we normally do where, you know, at this point I would talk about what, you know, what went wrong and then what did we learn. Well, you know, this has obviously nothing to do with that. This is just a conversation about how I'm preparing myself for this hunt. And like I said in the beginning, I don't want this to be discouraging because I think a lot of times that can happen as we sit here and we listen to these guys who are so-called experts. And, and first and foremost, please do not recognize me as an expert. Um, if you do that, you are definitely going to screw yourself up. Look at me for what I am. I'm an amateur hunter trying to figure this out just like you. So the, the stuff, the, the advice that I'm giving you is stuff that I'm learning on the fly as I you know, evolve into a better hunter. And, and one thing that I have learned is, is that I do. My, I personally, I will get discouraged because I hear these guys talking about, oh, you know, well, you know, I have been hiking, you know, 14ers for the last year getting myself ready for this hunt. Well, that is just okay. Um, good on you. The only 14er I've ever peaked is Mount Evans, and I did that because I got to drive to the top. I could sit here and be discouraged about it, and you know, be like, well, you know, well, he, you know, he's the expert, and this is what he does to find success. So, if I don't meet his level, then I'm just never going to make it. So why even try? And and that's just that's a horrible attitude to have. I'm going to do the best that I can and what I find best for me, and then I'm going to work hard at it. So right now, the best thing that I've found for me is doing what I'm doing with hiking and adding the weight and doing all of that stuff. And I feel like it's going to put me in a much better position than I have been in the past for this kind of a hunt. And that's all I can do. If I come out of this season and I'm like, good Lord, I was not even close to prepared, then guess what? Next year I'm going to tune it and maybe I will start climbing 14ers. Maybe that is really the only way to get prepared. But until then, I'm just going to do what I find best for me to really improve myself. I'm going to work really hard and give it my best when the fall comes. Anyway, I hope this was at least somewhat helpful and informative. Again, I can't stress enough, if you've been lax on your exercise, don't let this be a panic. Don't let this be a discouragement. I don't know if that's actually a word. Don't let it be discouraging. Let it be motivating. If you've only got a month to prepare, then use every day of that month to prepare. Do your absolute best. Because even if you can only train for a month, you're going to wind up in a better place than if you hadn't trained at all. You obviously could have done better, but again, don't let it be, a, you know, well, I'm just, uh, I waited way too long, now I can't do anything. No, you can do something. Just do your absolute best. And if you've been training already, cool. Keep it up. I'm going to train until the last week of August. The last week of August will be the week before my archery season opens. I'm going to give myself a break and, and give myself time to prep my gear. But I'm going to be going hard at it all the way up until that point. So I've basically got three weeks left to really get it in. And I'm going to. I'm going to do everything I can. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope... 
it was somewhat informative. Next week, we are going to go into uh, preparation with your chosen weapon or weapons. And, and that's going to be my main focus, is being able to get yourself ready with multiple tools. And like I said from the beginning, I'm kind of doing this in order of my priorities. I think being prepared physically and mentally is the number one thing you need to do. Secondly, you need to be prepared as a responsible hunter with whatever weapon you're taking. Because if you don't know how to use that, the only one that's going to wind up suffering is the animal when you put a bad hit on them. So I, I do. I think that's the second highest priority um, in, the, in the hunting world. And then we're going to wrap it up um, and probably spend two weeks on gear just because I don't want to just give you, you know, uh, well, this is what I'm taking. This is this, 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 this. I want to kind of break it down as to into several kind of things why I chose what I chose, if I've done any testing with it, and how, you know, what the results of that were, and then kind of the budgeting behind all of it. Because I think that's one thing we kind of forget sometimes is that we are all not professional hunters who have all these uh, manufacturers chomping at the bit to, you know, get us to wear or use or whatever their gear. You know, most of us are nine to five workers, not making six figures a year, and have to really plan our budgets around it and I'll, I'll kind of go into some of the tricks and and secrets that i've learned to to kind of get around a lot of that stuff so i look forward to that hope you guys do too so that'll do it for this week i am the amateur hunter and i will see you all next week 